It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Wednesday episode of Locked on Raptors, the Toronto Raptors are in a bit of a weird funk to begin the season at 12-12, and and I feel like a lot of folks are having a hard time figuring out what exactly to expect from this team over the course of the year, so that's the problem we're going to work to solve today as we try to lay out actual hard expectations for you to frame your reactions around with our pal Katie Heindel on another Whatevs Wednesday on the show. It's all coming up. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1296 of Locked on Raptors for Wednesday, December the 7th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons across various platforms. You can find all of my work over at WoodleySean on Twitter. You can follow the podcast on Twitter as well, at Locked on Raptors. And you can follow, subscribe to, rate and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps. You can also go to YouTube and hit the big, fat, red subscribe button. You can't miss it. It's as red as this wonderful Toronto Raptors Santa hat I have appearing on the broadcast here on video. Uh, just hit it, and you've supported the show as we get closer to 3,000 subs over there on the tube. It's much appreciated. All right, on today's show, it's another Whatevs Wednesday, and uh, we missed last week's because I was traveling the wilds of Utah for a little work trip to meet my lockdown coworkers, which was lovely. And uh, this week, Katie Heindel is traveling the wilds of northern Ontario with a bit of a suspect internet connection. So instead of video, you get a wonderful basketball with a cowboy hat, as is Katie's tradition whenever I do Zoom podcasts or video podcasts with her, dating all the way back to the early days of Lockdown Raptors when, when that was her Skype handle or Skype avatar or whatever we're talking about. Katie, how the hell are you? I'm good, man. I forgot that we used to do that on Skype because this is still my Skype avatar. Yeah, the, like very like early Lockdown Raptors days and your early appearances on the show. I, I vividly remember having to record these sort of sketchy Zoom recordings where I'm pretty <laughs> sure I used to like angle my microphone over top of my computer speakers in order to pick up the sound because I was not at all uh, acquainted with how to properly record audio back in the day. It's gotten a lot more sophisticated since then. We have a mic arm with a Santa hat on it. I don't know what else. Like We've come all the way, I think, from the... From the depths, but uh, nice to have it a reminder of the uh, the the OG days with uh, basketball with a cowboy hat. This could easily be a Dallas Mavericks. Uh, yeah. If you're watching the video, it could easily be the Dallas Mavericks mascot, right? It kind of looks almost like Mavs man and a basketball uh, with a cowboy hat kind of came together into one weird sort of sick creation. No, but does Mavs man have a little um, like bandit or like burglar? 
high band? <laughs> like, I think that's what this guy's wearing. Yeah, I, I let me look. Yeah, it's kind of like Mavs Man and the Hamburglar got together, <laughs> I suppose, is what we're looking at here. Uh, as I look up a photo of Mavs Man, again, not doing it on my computer, he has glasses. He has like very thick athletic mm. sunglasses, so kind of close, I guess. Either way, Katie, it's lovely to have you on the show. Uh, on today's show, I wanted to kind of do a bit of an exercise because I feel like a big reason for a lot of the angst around the Toronto Raptors 12 and 12 start this year has to do with just kind of like not really knowing where to direct your feelings about the things happening on the floor. And usually the way that I, as a sports fan, kind of engage with the team over the course of a season is I know what the expectations are at the start of the year. And then based on how the team performs in relation to said expectations, I get angry or sad or happy or whatever. Or I say, oh, this is fine. And I don't feel like this Raptors team has ever really had expectations set for it. Normally, the front office does a pretty good job of kind of laying out what their goals for their season are. I don't really think they did that this year in the same way they have in recent years. I think last year was very much, uh, I don't know what the expectations are. Let's see. Maybe they're kind of low, but like we're going to try some weird stuff and that's going to be what the season's about. And I think they fulfilled that. Year before that, it felt to me like that was supposed to be the last year, the last hurrah for Kyle Lowry. That didn't quite work out, obviously, because COVID and Tampa had other plans, but that was the vision going into the year. And maintained that way until COVID sort of sapped the team in the middle of the season. Year before that, I think it was pretty clear we're going to go defend the title nobly without Kawhi Leonard. Year before that was pretty clear we're going to try to win the title with Kawhi Leonard. Year before that, I think it was pretty clear uh, to sort of revamp the team, address the issues that LeBron had exposed, and beat LeBron. Didn't work out so hot, but like we knew what the expectations were. I don't, Katie, feel like we've ever kind of got a, a set read on what the expectations for this year's Raptors team are. Do you agree with that? Like, do you feel like that's been something missing from the early part of this season? And do you think it has in any way sort of bled into the way that people are reacting to the team and its ups and downs? It's kind of tricky because I think there was a little bit of a lack, though a necessary lack of expectation last season because mm. you've got... Scotty Barnes coming in, Precious Achua starting to kind of figure out what his role is going to be with the team. Same with Gary, um, Fred, Pascal stepping into leadership roles. So I think the expectation for last season was loose, right? And it was like, let's see mm -hmm. what we've got. So we, we don't know what we need until we see what we've got. But I feel like that has bled over into this season in a way that um, – mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily anticipate. I was listening to you and Vivek yesterday, and I thought what Vivek said was pretty astute in terms of he was just talking about like defensive schemes, but that why mm. does the team need to relearn defensive schemes if these yeah. are just the same <laughs> as last season and like the <laughs> same people, right? No, you, you have a couple mm -hmm. new guys, but otherwise like it shouldn't be this. There wasn't an overhaul. It wasn't something you have to go and relearn. So... I think it's still unclear, though, like, I don't know that there's a good reason for that, because at the beginning of the season, Masai Ujiri told everybody in the Raptors media day presser, like, uh, the expectation is winning. It's always winning. We want to win mm. games. We want to build a team here at home. That's what we're trying to do. The implication is with Scotty Barnes um, and, like, the guys you've already kind of trained up through this system, that they're the ones that are going to bring it. So that... He's always said what the expectation is. There's obviously a discrepancy 
in expectation versus execution, which again mm-hmm. is natural and normal. Um, yeah. So, I, like, where I'll, all I'm trying to say is, like, I don't feel there's some big anomaly or like we're way off base, but mm-hmm. um, there's like some roster juggling. There's some contract stuff up in the air that I think lends to expectations of like who should have the biggest role in the team because I think a lot of guys right now are trying to prove that they can have a big role Mm -hmm. because they want a big contract. Like you've got all these factors sort of um, adding into it, which I don't think is helping. But the expectation Mm -hmm. for this season was never like get to the finals. It's probably get out of the first round. I thought that was yeah. kind of clear. Or, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I, I don't think, yeah, if you're reasonable, I don't think finals or even conference finals were, you know, I think a realistic expectation, right? I know some people, you know, kind of viewed the team and were a little higher on it from the jump. And look, I'm still, nothing about this start to the season has changed how high I am on this team, like, long term. I think, you know, things are mm-hmm. going to be pretty all right and pretty rosy for the next little while here, you know health provided and all that stuff they've got a pretty good thing in terms of like the core of it going but yeah it, it does feel weird this year because i think you know it's it's complicated by the fact that they won 48 games last year right and expectation is often the thief of joy and some of the most fun seasons last year i think the title defense season where no one expected them to go and be a 60 win team i think you know, 2013-14, where they started off like 9-13, and 13, traded everybody, looked they were about to go for Andrew Wiggins in the in the tank battle, and then getting good, like, those are the years that are fun. Those are the years that kind of stand out, the ones where expectation is low or non-existent, and you overshoot them. This year, I don't even know if there's the opportunity to overshoot expectation because it hasn't really been laid out, and there isn't really, like, a defined consensus goal i think some folks look at this team and think it should be ready to go compete for conference finals right now i think others look at it a little bit more sort of reasonably and say hey this is still a process and this is not all linear and you're not going to get year over year constant upward trajectories from everybody that's just not how this goes down and i think it's led to this sort of weird ambiguous feeling of well, what the hell are we supposed to expect from this team and i guess you know every loss is bad and it makes us angry and it just I don't know. It hasn't been the most fun season to to sort of take in so far, Katie. Do you find that as well? Like, are you finding there's a little bit more sort of angst and, um, you know, just general venom in the way that people are discussing the team? I know it's not everybody. Everyone has their own sort of silos on the internet and their fan groups who kind of, you know, inform the way you think. But I think just like the general overall impression from media, from fans, from whomever, it does feel a little bit more sort of contentious than... You'd like, than you'd like it to be. But I, again, I can't really put my finger on to as exactly why that is. Um, I've seen the the kind of malaise and the, like the venom that you're talking about. <laughs> um, I don't necessarily mm. connect with it. I don't really get it. No, it should be said, nor do I. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know you don't. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a little bit surprising with how high stakes it feels already. Um, you know, yeah. like this is just, it's the beginning of December. I think we've had as many, I think we've had more good games than bad. The bad ones are frustrating mm-hmm. because there's gaffes that, you know, like the last, that last quarter of the Celtics game was a very frustrating thing to watch, right? There were mm-hmm. some like pretty mm-hmm. amateur hour style mistakes. Um, 
and like wasted, if not just like outright lost possessions. So that mm. sucks to see. But frustrations of like uh, post game, <laughs> post game comments being misconstrued that the implication is like they're going to go out and trade for somebody, or that if mm. you know like your your core players don't quote get up to a certain level, they're going to get traded. When I think it's pretty clear, it's like get up to a certain level just means like you're that that was matching them against one game against the NBA's best team uh, of like bona fide superstars who've been working at it for years and I don't mean like their Mm -hmm. craft I mean this that Celtics team together has been like we saw them kind of claw their way up right the standings and have so many disappointments and just like early kind of fallouts to get here and I think they're just like they they're playing with like a kind of quiet determination that they're it's scary because they're all synced up and they're like very Mm -hmm. dedicated um, and focused. You could kind of even just see that in their warmups. The Raptors don't have that. I don't think that's a reason to panic though. And I don't think it's a reason to be that upset. I don't think there's like a chemistry problem with the team. I think everyone has been really sick for one. Like yeah. if you want to talk about <laughs> Fred Van Vliet's kind of woes, like seeing him in person at different points of like the sickness he's got and regot. And, like, he has kids. I feel like everyone I know who has kids is very sick right now, too. Or is, like, around kids get sick. But, like, he looked pretty gaunt. Like, I don't mean, like, he lost weight, like, in any kind of physical way. I just mean the way that sometimes when you get sick very badly for a few days, it takes it out of you. So I think you got to factor that in. Um, I don't think there's just, like, some big thing of unhappiness. But what I said before, I don't think you can gloss over that. It's, like, there are some contract questions. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to see themselves as like a big part of the team. Sometimes I think Nick Nurse doesn't necessarily do the best job of clarifying what people's roles are because the exercise is always like who's going to fight it out for these roles, which is great right. to instill, I think, competition in a younger core. But there's not that young of a team. So, I mean, it's like aside from like a handful less than of guys, mm-hmm. you know, I think um, – you know, I'm, it's funny because I'm always like, why do we need a set rotation? Let's just be fluid. But like watching it now, it's like actually maybe a set rotation for a little while would actually help uh, clarify something. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's a, a really well taken point. I, I do want to get into the sort of the, the contract weirdness hanging over the team when it comes to Fred and Gary Trent Jr. I think at the end of the show, Katie, we'll do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do want to get into you know, sort of trying to set an actual bar for expectation that everyone can use as like, okay, the Locked On Raptors folks, they set what the expectation should be. We'll listen to them. We'll do that in just a second. I do want to just add one more quick point, though. I do think it's insane that like it feels like the nadir of the season vibes wise comes on the heels of a loss to a team that is just demolishing everybody in the yeah. NBA. Like this is what the Celtics do, man. Like this is like this is not. And I do think it speaks to the sort of weird undefined expectation that a loss to the Celtics is deemed as this like massive failure. Like that's not the measuring stick for this team, man. That's really not as much as you want it to be. They're not on the Celtics level. No one's on the Celtics level. And to compare yourself to them is to only ask for disappointment in the way that you assess the team. We're going to come back in just a sec, dig into what those expectations actually should be and try to uh, offer you a little bit of a guide as a Raptors fan. We'll do that in just one second. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks, who are 
making daily fantasy fun, easy, accessible. And right now they have a wonderful little wrinkle. They usually, you pick between two and five players on your entries. You can up to 10 times your money if you get them all correct. Instead, now you can pick up to six players on your entry and you can win up to 25 times your money if you get them all correct. Again, you're just picking against their projections more or less than the prescribed number of points, rebounds, assists, steals, whatever for any player. All you can do it in any sport as well. It's not just basketball. You got the NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, all down the line. You can make your entries with players involving players from all of these different sports. It's fantastic. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals, too. And they're currently operational in over 30 states in Canada and every province except for Ontario at the moment. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play Daily Fantasy Sports today. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. That means if you put in 100 bucks of your own money, $100 of Prize picks as money is just going to appear in your account. What a wonderful deal that is. Don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKEDON to get it at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 with prize picks. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we continue on here with Katie Heindel, the sentient basketball in a cowboy hat. Uh, we, <laughs> we are uh, digging into Toronto Raptors' expectations and the sort of weird ambiguousnesses, uh, ambiguousness of them this season for the team. So we're here. We're going to present a solution. We're just going to do what the front office maybe didn't do on opening day of the season. We're going to set the baseline of expectations for this team, and thus you can get angry or happy in relation to how they're performing with that set expectation in mind. Maybe this is a silly exercise that's overestimating the reach of Lockdown Raptors, but my hope is that this can bring a little bit of, uh, you know, of a relaxed note to the tone around the team at the moment. So, Katie, let me ask you. What should be the baseline level of expectation for this team this year? Is it just simply advancing to the second round? Is it a little bit more tied to the the play on the floor and the sort of internal developments, individual developments? Is it role definition? Is it a bit mix of all of it? Where would you sort of set the baseline of expectation for Raptors fans? Now that we've seen 24 games, you still got plenty of time left to sort of get things back on the road. I guess it's a third of the season now. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Is that how math works? Mm. Uh, not, it, not quite. Still not, quite. not quite. Either way, yeah. no. It, a third of the Tampa season where they played seventy-two games. I, 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 I'm on it there. Um, but no. What, what, what would you say right now, Katie? Is like a fair level to set expectation at for this team for the remainder of the year to allow people to know exactly where their feelings should be, you know, aimed if uh, things go good or badly. Okay. Um, I think it's fair to have expectations of certain players. I think it's good mm-hmm. to have, um, so you're like, you know, you want Fred Van Vliet to get out of this three-point shooting slump. But you also look Ooh, at that, that as, would be nice. <laughs> as being like, sometimes that just happens on its own, and sometimes that is because of like where he's at and what he's being asked to do on the floor. So I think you always, while I'm trying to set expectations, I'm also like, what else is going on? So use all your senses mm-hmm. as a basketball fan. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> I think taste, smell. Yeah. Uh, what, those are the I, only ones that really apply here. <laughs> I think. Uh. I think um, <laughs> a, a defensive jump from Scotty is a good expectation. Mm. Just even given the company that he's keeping, basically in the form of mm-hmm. OG and Anobi, um, I think the team's defensive identity could be shored up some mm-hmm. uh, because that's something that you know this team has historically hung its hat on, but doesn't look altogether there. They have like some really really bright spots, um, but then they, they have these slumps. So I think some defensive consistency would be great. I would say offensive consistency, but that feels like an unrealistic expectation. One for this team and like just two in the kind of weird, like fair winds blowing of the NBA. Um, I think on a game by game basis, a good expectation to have is to win games against good teams. So you're going to want to mm-hmm. take some from the Celtics. You want to, I mean, ideally you want to take the next game that you play against them. But those games are always pretty good measuring sticks. It's fun to go out and like, yeah, pummel the magic. But um, Hmm. those are kind of like, those are ego wins, I feel like, rather than... Yeah, uh, Yeah, well wins, yeah. Yeah, competent. And you need those sometimes. But like competent, okay, everybody was working pretty uh, incisively and together. And that's why we got this win. We made some good adjustments, which is like, looked so vacant in that second half of the Celtics game. Where mm-hmm. were the adjustments? I don't know. I didn't see any. Um, so I think... Yeah, the adjustment was, uh, we're just going to let Jason Tatum yeah. destroy us more. Yeah. And it worked really well. The Celtics sure as hell adjusted, but it was pretty <laughs> yeah. absent on Toronto's end of things. So, you know, like, yeah, look mm-hmm. at your opponents that you are kind of consistently, like the Celtics, you know, it's going to be a tough match. I would say even the Cavs sometimes can be a tough match. Mm-hmm the Bucks, you know, look at, look around the East and think like, these are the teams that we want to actually treat as a measuring stick exercise mm-hmm. to bump ourselves up uh, in terms of expectations. Because like, once you kind of hit these goals, you've got to be like, well, what's the next one? You can't just kind of sit and coast. Um, and then I think a season expectation, a good season expectation that doesn't feel like a reach, but still feels like you've got to dig in and, you know, it's going to be effortful would be, um, a second round. I'm gonna. It would be a second round win. I would, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, I think getting to the second round is like a really easy thing to say. Hey, like if they don't do that, it's a bummer. And that said, I mean the East is really good, and if they end up with a tough first round matchup, then maybe that changes the calculus there. That said, if they're as good as we kind of hope that they are, maybe they work themselves into a favorable matchup in the first round. So it, I think we won't really know. I think, like, the degree of success for, like, the ultimate, like, playoff destiny of the team until we actually see how it all transpires and the sort of machinations of it. Mm -hmm. That said, I do think there's plenty of room for, like, setting expectation within the season. And, you know, I I do think kind of role definition is one of them, right? This is a season that I've kind of been talking about as, like, a year where you figure out who are your guys going forward, who is going to be part of the Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam era. I think OG Ananobi has very much worked himself into that conversation. I would be shocked if he's not part of the long-term plans, considering he's an absolute uh, demon on defense and is probably going to win, you know, he's going to make an all-defense team for sure at this point and maybe win Defensive Player of the Year. That stuff's amazing. The other parts, I think, are still a little bit left up in the air. And I think 
figuring out exactly the best ways to use Gary Trent Jr. and Fred Van Vliet and, you know, eventually when Precious Achua gets back, Precious Achua, figuring out how those guys fit into the mix, I think, is a really important part of this year because you don't just have forever to be patient and keep on running it back. Money is going to become a conversation. Contracts are up in the air. As soon as this summer, you kind of have to have some actual answers and some and, and some sort of solutions here. And I do think it's got to be on Nick Nurse to try to figure out the sort of um, the hierarchy of the team going forward, figure out which guys are the ones worth sort of investing in long term and figure out which ones are maybe ones you're going to move on from. Um, and I think that's a big part of sort of what Nick Nurse has got to contend with this year. As far as like performing well against good teams, I, I do think that's this is kind of being forgotten. They've done pretty well in that department, right? They're two and one against the Heat. They're one and one against the Hawks, but they almost beat the Hawks without any of their guys and were hilariously good in that game that they that they almost won with no one available. Um, and they're two and zero oh against the Cavs. Like they've been good against their contemporaries for the most part, and they haven't played the Bucks yet. I don't think they've played the Sixers. Oh, they played the Sixers once, or oh, they played them twice the first week. Never mind. They're one and one there. So yeah, it's. It's it's a weird mixed bag in that there's been a lot of good so far this year, Katie. They're twelve and twelve. Like they've had some really good moments and and high spots. And Pascal's been incredible. The individual performances from him and OG in particular have been really thrilling to behold. Thad Young's been a nice story. Uh, I guess it's just sort of the the overall direction of the team feels a little bit more up in the air and, and more of a question. But yeah, it, it's. And look, I don't know if we actually did the job of setting expectations here. Second round or bust, I guess. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I will say it's a hard thing to do. Not to delve too deep into like this, this like psychological side of it, but I always kind of wonder, like you know, the the championship, like a championship, in some ways, is a closed book, like a and and it does open up some kind of like new hopes and expectations. But the Raptors got the championship. Then you've got like an abrupt. Like you've got COVID and you've got the bubble, then you've got Tampa. Like there are all these kind of um, like false starts, I want to say. And I could see maybe how fans or like maybe new fans, especially when you're like, oh, I'm just used to this team being good. It's one thing to then like switch to a bad team, but then it's one thing to switch to a season that like absolutely seems to make no sense. Um, And that's been happening for a while now. So I get the kind of like malaise if it's like tied to fan fatigue. What I don't get is like... Mm -hmm the anger because <laughs> I don't really know yeah. what there is to be mad at. Some of the times I'm like, is it just like sports betting, riding people's brains? But um, that's its own whole can of worms. But anyway, like I just, um, I think it's good to be fluid. It's good to set expectations, but mm-hmm. like they do have to be realistic. And like this team was not this team. You want to be a regular season contender, but this, this team is like, does not have their eyes on the, trophy the way that like you watch that mm-hmm. Celtics team play and they have like yeah gritted it out to get there. they got Larry OB's in their eyes yeah yes. they're, they're, they're like lighting up like dollar signs yeah the Celtics are gonna win the championship Katie I hate it they're I will also say it, they're so as good. a prelude to the next segment the Celtics had some mm. salary stuff hanging over the team last season it has since been clarified and mm. look at how fluid they seem all together yeah, let's uh, let's take a quick beat. We'll come back on the other side, dig into Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. And I think their contract situations, and, and, you know, how they're sort of hanging over the team. And maybe they aren't. I don't really know. We're going to dig into it. It's a very, as we talked about on yesterday's show, which you were a listener of. Really appreciate that, Katie. Uh, <laughs> just 
really, really hard to sort of pin down the woes of this team at the moment. Because, again, I don't think there are as many as maybe it's perceived there are. And so we're kind of like trying to pin down things that don't exist. But also, the contract stuff is a very ethereal thing and kind of maybe creeps into the corners of the team in ways you don't expect. We're going to get to that in just one sec. Round at the show. But first... I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.net, your number one source for sports betting, info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer. World Cup's going on. It's a lot of fun. It's coming out, baby. Uh, put some money down on the Brits on Saturday. Why not? Against the French. Uh, and they'll tell you exactly what you should be doing. Your individual player props, all that stuff. You're going to get the full picture of how to be the informed wagerer when you go to betonline.net and soak in all of their wonderful content they got podcasts to give you the details they got injury reports all sorts of analysis and news go check them out they are the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more bet online is where the game starts the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And rounding out our chat about expectations with our uh, our dear friend Katie Heindel, who we expect to be fantastic every time she's on the show, and she is, so good job to you, Katie. Um... Contract stuff. Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr. Let's start with Fred, shall we? Because the vibes around Fred are really bizarre. Um, you know, I, I I still think he's part of the team's long-term plans. Like he, as much as he isn't six foot nine and a wing, he brings a lot of stuff to this team. He's got institutional knowledge. He's just so steeped in the way the Raptors do things and carry themselves and build and. It would be weird, I think, if like the next iteration of this team didn't involve Fred Van Vliet. That said, I feel like a lot of people are now starting to consider, you know, potential outcomes where Fred Van Vliet is not on the team beyond this season. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they'll keep him around. But where are you at right now with Fred? And how do you think this, you know, you're around the team more than I am this season. I don't know if it's actually been like a topic of conversation that you've come across. But where do you think this whole Fred contract limbo kind of fits into the story of the team so far this season is is it part of it is it non-existent is it weighing on guys the more fred van vliet starts to struggle is it weighing on the team like i'm having a hard time with this one katie again having a hard time with a lot of things with this team right now is it's very weird and uh and kind of messy and not at all sort of black and white mm-hmm. i wouldn't say you know it, fred's like a very thoughtful person so i think it's certainly like it's mm. it's in his mind it is like hanging over his head in one of the, you know, many, I'm sure, like, thousands of things he he thinks about on a day-to-day basis. But to say it's, like, weighing on him, I'm not sure. Because I think there's Mm -hmm. a mutual understanding and a mutual respect between the front office and Fred um, that they've established up to now, uh, similarly to what they did with Kyle Lowry. Um, So I think there's an understanding that he could go out and decide – to see, you know, who might make him an offer. But I also feel like there's conversations that have probably been had where it's like, we're going to, here's like kind of what we need from you. And like, you know, that you have then in turn an offer that looks like this from us, right? Like 
between Fred and his mm-hmm. agent and the team. I do think things like that get worked out between franchises and franchise players as much as like people still seem really loath to admit <laughs> that Fred Van Vliet is, but franchise players mm-hmm. um, well in advance, you know, like he is a cornerstone of the franchise. As yeah. you said, he has institutional knowledge. I think all the ways he's like, I think it's even very big of him in the ways he will joke around about like how he is a misfit on the team now. But the fact that mm-hmm, like he mm-hmm. can talk about those things openly, I think like obviously speaks to acceptance and the understanding of his role going way beyond like the physical makeup of the team on the floor. So that to me seems more assured. I think if anything, Fred's just probably down on himself because he knows he hasn't been playing that well. And like, he's a like, he's his harshest critic. Right. And he'll be the first to kind of say that. So, um, I could see that being like a really tough thing weighing on him. The, the, the Gary Trent jr. Um, thing is less clear to me because a big part of me thinks he may want to go out and see, who might offer him something. I don't know like what team mm-hmm. that would be because something I also think happens. Um, we see these players like day in, day out. We really like celebrate them obviously. And we know it seems like know what they're capable of, but I do feel like there's still this um, bubble effect mm-hmm. of the team up here and like other front offices, maybe not necessarily seeing the, or, or they'll just, they're just like, you know, if we're talking about a trade deadline situation, they're going to just be like, what can you give us in the right now? Because like either mm-hmm. you, you change our pathway to winning and like uh, playoff contention or, or not. Cause like even the rap, when the Raptors have made midseason moves, that's what it's been for. Right. So mm-hmm. I wonder on like the immediacy of Gary Trent's junior impact somewhere else. Um, I guess I also did wonder about it too, just because of the comments that Nick Nurse made, uh, mm-hmm. just in terms of a fit. Which like he that seems was, to have responded to pretty damn well. Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. Like he's been good he's, off the bench. He's yeah. playing super disruptive, uh, like on the defensive end of the floor, which has been really cool to see. And I would only assume he keeps that up because, again, like he's got his contract on his mind. So mm-hmm. I don't think it like – I wouldn't say with this team that it's like certainly putting a wedge in anywhere, but it would be – kind of uh, oblivious to say it doesn't affect them in some way people it's like guys are aware of it you know it's like yeah they can also get along and have their like you know collegial and closer relationships but there's definitely an awareness uh around it yeah for me i would say i don't get the sense that the team is like being weighed down by the contract limbo for a couple other guys I do think, however, that the contract limbo for Fred and Gary Trent Jr., who, again, both have player options this this offseason, they may just opt in. I mean, at this rate, Fred might opt in. He's shooting like 32% or whatever. Uh, so maybe he just stops into his 22 mil and tries to come back to free agency the year after that. But I do think because it feels like there's a limited runway to kind of know and get clear answers on these guys and like what their long-term sort of fit in the team is, I do think that adds to sort of the angst a little bit because, like, we're, what, two and a half months away from the trade deadline? You know, Mm -hmm. some of these decisions are going to have to be made before then, and that adds, like, a a bit of heaviness to it all that I think maybe Raptors fans were immune from last year where nothing was heavy at all because it was just so happy and fun and new and novel. This year, it's a little bit more of a, like, this is a team with expectation, you know, however— ambiguous it might be this is more you know there's more riding on this team now than there was last year and I think all of these different factors kind of come into play 
One thing I do want to sort of get off my chest before we get out of here, though, Katie, is that I know when you're in the Raptors bubble, it feels like things are falling down and everything's insane. The whole league right now makes no sense. Every team is going (laughs) through this, it seems. The Warriors had an awful start. They turned things around. The Nuggets are having, like, team meetings, and Bones Highland is talking about how the locker room's frustrated for, like, a 14-9 and team that keeps losing weird games but is ultimately very good. Um, You know, you have weird teams still high in the standings. You've got weird teams low in the standings. Nothing makes sense this NBA season, and so I feel like... Maybe we're building too much at, like out of the Raptors and making too much meaning out of their struggles. It's everyone's going through it, and I I don't think the Raptors are special in this regard. I guess is how I'd frame it. Um, do you agree with that as well, Katie? Like, is this maybe sort of a we're in this silo and everything seems like it's pandemonium, but actually it's just kind of you know standard for what's going on across the entire league this year? Yeah, it's a super weird season so far. Um, I think mm-hmm. like. Thing, a lot of things feel not clarified, which is kind of cool because, like, league-wide, it just means, like, there's a lot of room for, yeah, excitement and upsets and, like, unknowns, which, like, you know, as a basketball fan, I don't think you mind. It obviously sucks when you get a bit granular if it comes down to your team and, as we, we've been talking about this whole time, what the expectations are. Um, but I think league-wide, yeah, a lot a lot has started strangely, uh, like, I'm not, I don't want to say like on the wrong foot, but certainly like not on the foot you'd expect. Probably the Lakers think it's the wrong foot. Um, but, you know, it's <laughs> like led to some, like it's led to the Sacramento Kings playing like. Like the beam! Like the beam! <laughs> yeah, it's brought us the beam. <laughs> um, you have like Bull Bull in like most improved player contention, which I think is really cool. Like you've got the Jazz like just <laughs> playing against all odds. Just it seems like basketball for themselves, right? And like Portland mm-hmm, quietly mm-hmm. being excellent. So I think um, within all that, where the Raptors are, which is like, honestly, it's like kind of in the middle. You've got like a split record. You've got more. Everyone's games. 500. Everyone. Yeah. yeah. You've got more good games than bad under your belt. Um, and there's really no reason to think this team won't improve. Also, like we didn't even talk about mm-hmm. injuries. It's still a deep list of people that they've are had a out. lot of injuries yeah they've had a lot of them it's crazy it's, and they had them yeah, really they're, early they're getting healthy now but man yeah like yeah. earlier than any other team yeah. i'd say this it, it read like late season injuries like t- kind of a situation mm-hmm. there for a little while but we're coming out of that so i think you got to take it all it's tried and just the expectation should be uh like onward and upward from here Yeah, and I made this point yesterday, but I just feel like it's worth remembering. Um, You know, we've all seen NBA seasons before, right? Like, we we know that there are ups and downs. We know it's not always wonderful the entire way through. It never is. And I feel like to overreact to an early December lull, it just, it feels like you're, like, going to drive yourself insane. Just remember the way things have happened in recent years. They were below 500 at this point last year, if I recall. Uh, they were below 500 and like really they started two and eight in the Tampa season before clawing all the way back to fourth in the East before the team got ransacked by COVID, right? Like there's, there are beats and rhythms to a season and it feels like every time we're in those beats and rhythms, it's the end of the world and this has never happened before. No, this happens every year. Like it's fine. Um, not to, you know, use my tag phrase or anything like that, but like it's, it really is like in the grand scheme, it feels weird and 
just kind of like a little off right now. But uh, like you get a couple of get well wins against the Magic this weekend and things are looking very, very different. Um, Katie, this has been lovely. It's been wonderful to talk to you, the sentient basketball with a cowboy hat today. Uh, <laughs> anything you would like to promote for the good people out there that the sentient cowboy uh, basketball with a cowboy hat has written of late? I was going to say it's been funny to like have some pretty sincere insight and like <laughs> this is who's talking but katie um, what's the meaning of life <laughs> take it away <laughs> um i think uh what, what was i gonna say i wrote um this this has passed but you can still see the work and it's actually gone just gone on for sale on the bleacher report uh bleacher reports store but I interviewed an artist uh, named Matthew McCormick, who is just like a very cool contemporary artist I've loved for a really long time. But he did a very fun thing with the NBA and Bleacher Report for um, Miami Art Week. The exhibition just closed this past Sunday. But as I mentioned, the the work is all up in the, the shop there and you can look at it. You can also read the article on Dime because that's the more interesting thing. I'm not just trying to plug merch because I don't get <laughs> anything from that um but you should go read the story and then you can also subscribe uh and read and listen to basketball feelings um at basketballfeelings.com everyone go do that as a basketball feeling subscriber could not possibly recommend it more uh you can find me at woodley sean on twitter follow subscribe to rate review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts i promise there will be newsletter posts coming at some point here i've been very busy and uh, it's not the top of my priority list unfortunately to write blog posts for my newsletter but there will be stuff coming i promise once i get some clarity over the christmas holidays i think we'll be in in good shape either way uh this is just me talking through my you know own issues on the podcast (laughs) please go and uh and uh support the show on youtube and do all that good stuff subscribe rate review tell a friend all that that and uh we will round it there go make your second listen of the day locked on sports today as pete bukowski runs through all the big stories from the day before in the world of sports and uh, it's really really great so go check it out and uh, we'll round it there we'll talk to you again tomorrow to break down raptors lakers for another episode of locked on raptors bye-bye Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.